This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Thanks for joining us for Episode 9 of the Recorded Future podcast. Right now, at the intersection of cybersecurity and global politics, you'll find the Russians. They're certainly not new to the world of international intrigue or hacking, but with recent events like the hacking of the U.S. Democratic National Committee in the run-up to last year's presidential election, the ongoing investigations into Russian interference in that election, and even questions about key players within the Trump administration's dealings with them, the Russians are top of mind for many when it comes to possible threat actors, be they nation-state or criminal gang members. In this edition of the Recorded Future podcast, we welcome back Andrei Barisovich, Director of Advanced Collection at Recorded Future, for his take on the Russians. Stay with us. Exceptionally talented and well-educated people. Uh, Russian higher educational institutions actually produce more engineers on annual basis, three times more engineers than India does, which has almost 10 times the population. So historically, Russian universities were very good in educating highly technical professions. That's one of the reasons they have tons of smart people. And the opportunities right now, especially right now in Russia, to make uh, a decent living doing legitimate jobs somewhat not there, especially after uh, the Russian ruble collapsed, especially after Western sanctions uh, after Crimea was seized by Russia. So it's actually I I feel that it's going to get worse. Is it also a case of, of there being uh, opportunity? Does, does uh, law enforcement turn a blind eye to this sort of thing generally? In, unfortunately, in many, in many cases, yes. Uh, local law enforcement is overwhelmed with local crime. So if they see a victim uh, which is overseas, and especially right now in this very complex and unfriendly environment between our two countries, uh, to your point, Russian law enforcement will definitely just stay away from prosecuting this, uh, these hackers or even engaging or even investigating them. And what about organized crime? Well, we clearly saw uh, a fusion amongst hackers and online cyber criminals and organized crime in Russia. About a year ago when a Lurk gang was arrested in Russia, I, if I'm not mistaken, close to 50 people across Russia was, uh, were arrested back then. It was fairly early we knew that the majority of people who were uh, involved in that operation were real-life criminals, not your typical you know, hackers and students sitting behind the computer, but actual criminals. We've heard the point made uh, often on the CyberWire that uh, when it comes to the Russians, that um, the, the difference between uh, government operators and organized crime is a distinction without a difference. I don't think we should actually imply that government always turns a blind eye or actually uh, involved in the criminal and cyber criminal activity uh, or hires uh, hackers but uh, clearly we see that it, it it is happening on some basis and on some level 
So unfortunately, it is the reality of uh, current Russian situation, especially, uh, I'm sure you've heard that uh, in December of last year, uh, the head of Kaspersky Research Department was arrested on charges of treason. He managed to send out an open letter through his lawyers stating that this is where the country is heading right now. Russia actually engaged in, in very dubious activities and they are willing to hire hackers or to provide them immunity for their criminal enterprises as long as they're willing to provide the intelligence and tools, hacking tools to them. So it is happening. I, I don't want to say that it's prevailing. I don't want to say that it's, it happens all the time. But in some cases, um, I'm fairly certain they, uh, they do collaborate. When you all see indicators come across, you know, your systems with, with the technology that you use, what are the things that, that, uh, that signal that something's, uh, that something's uniquely Russian? Uh, well, Record the Future does not track uh, every single indicator, because for us, for example, uh, IP addresses might not be that important because we are not involved in active uh, perimeter protection as much as, let's say, uh, our clients. What we, on a day-to-day basis, we track is is we, we track particular communities, we track particular people, particular hackers, uh, particular chatter. We are slightly on a different uh, side of the spectrum. So the, this is what we look for. And obviously, if we see that a particular instance of the discussion had happened in Russian cyber criminal underground, well, we know that uh, Eastern European actors are behind it. Can you describe, you know, some of the ways that, that the Russians organize themselves online? You know, are there, are there specific forums where they, where they populate, you know, that sort of thing? Yeah, uh, most definitely. This is uh, this is the historical fact that Russians were among the first hackers uh, who realized that in order for them to successfully build a career in business, online business, a legal business, they have to build a community. And one of the first really popular forums, online criminal forums, was Carter Planet. It was launched all the way back in 2001, and it survived for two years before it was shut down by law enforcement. And right after that, we saw huge spur of other criminal communities. And right now, I would say there are close to 20 of the most important uh, and most populated uh, cyber criminal forums. But overall, I would say that there are close to maybe three to 400 of uh, online communities where hackers uh, gather together and to share knowledge, uh, share TTPs, find partners for their businesses. So. Uh, this is uh, the most common approach. Uh, the most common, uh, the, the most common method for them to interact would be uh, secure chat messengers such as Jabber. Recently, we started to see that they they began to use encrypted chat rooms in Telegram, uh, which is uh, quite unusual. But uh, I guess this is the progression because now they want to be online all the time, not only when they use the computer, but also when they use uh, smartphones. So they try to be accessible 24-7 and encrypted messengers such as Telegram just provide them with this opportunity. Are there particular types of cybercrime that the Russians uh, gravitate towards? Financial. It's always about money. 
we know that, for example, Chinese actors are, for the most part, interested in intellectual property. For Russian cyber criminals, the, 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 the common denominator will always be uh, money. So, be it inside, in, insider trading, uh, compromised bank accounts, compromised credit cards, PayPal, eBay fraud, Amazon fraud, it always revolves around money. Our thanks to Andrei Borisovich for joining us. You can also find more intelligence analysis at recordedfuture.com slash blog. Another reminder to save the date, our fund 2017 is October 4th and 5th in Washington, D.C. at the Museum. That's the Recorded Future Users Network Conference. We'll have more information as we get closer to the event, but for now, hold those dates, October 4th and 5th, on your calendar. This is an event you're not going to want to miss. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. One of the best ways you can do that is to leave a review on iTunes. It really does help people find our show. The Recorded Future podcast team includes coordinating producer Amanda McKeown, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by Pratt Street Media with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.